Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Mindful that this Friday, and especially here on Money FM 89.3, that we turn the spotlight on people who do not have enough of what makes life possible, and that is food. UN research shows that over 800 million people did not have enough food in 2018. And here in Asia, a large proportion of the hungry live right here, about 500 million. So today I thought it useful to shine the spotlight on Crop Life Asia. They're a non-profit society championing innovative agriculture and the development of the global science plant industry. They've they represent the voice of this industry and have partnered with the U.S. ASEAN Business Council and the EU ASEAN Business Council in 2019 to form the ASEAN Safe Nutritious Food Alliance. The group hopes to build greater partnerships between public and private sectors across the food value chain through discussions that are targeted around factors that support a safe and nutritious supply of food in the region. We're going to find out more about the work of this nonprofit. With Dr. Siang Hee Tan, Executive Director of Crop Life Asia, how are you this morning? Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for your kind invitation and allowing us to share our vision with you today. Delighted to hear about your work. So let's find out. You work to bring nature and technology together in the interests of farmers and governments and consumers and the environment. I wonder if we can start by talking a little about some of the solutions that are helping to meet the world's growing food needs. Thank you. So again, the Asia population, there's a lot, a lot of six, about 600 million small farmers that need technology to adapt for climate change and mitigation. That's one part of the component. So we have the seed technology made available so that the farms can plant good genetic seeds so that they can harvest the potential of the, genet- the, the seeds that has been cultivated. Then we protect the seeds as we grow so that they can achieve the real product into the market and then value capture to change their livelihood. So on an average, for example, in certain countries like Cambodia, the loss after post-harvest exceeding 50%. So the farmers is sweating out in the sun and making sure that their crop grows to the potential, but mm. it never gets to the market. So we need to provide technology from the onset with good genetics take care of the crops and then get them to markets with other technology, a lot of technology like uh, digital economy and etc. to make sure that the farmers can relate to market on a timely basis or what to plant and how to get their products into the supply chain. So this is fascinating. This comes right from the start of the supply chain in that you're looking at the um, interaction of genetics and yep. seed banks. Yep, correct. So you need to make sure that just like all of us, you know, unless you get good food, nutritious food from the onset of your childhood, your mind development wouldn't be there. So equally, if you don't plant a good seeds, you will not be able to harvest. But throughout the process, you still have the environmental effect whereby no rain or over rain, you know, flooding. So the gen- there are genetics right now that is drought resistance, flood tolerant, so that we can protect the plants so that the, ma- the, the parents, the, the, sorry, the farmers could really harvest the product. And that's one part of the discussion. Then how do we get to the market? Right. And and also, are you looking at things like malnourished soils or, um, you know, Definitely. soils that have lost Farmers are very, very innovative people because mm. they are the caretakers of the land. That's where my house is, my food is generated. I will definitely be there 
provide soil content, such as moisture protection, more organic materials into the soil. So farmers are there, but we need to make sure that the farmers get the nutrition that they need to grow the plant in a timely manner. As you know, Asia is very big. There, you know, how do I get materials into Kalimantan, for example, to able to be planting in a timely manner according to the rain that comes and etc. So a lot of not purely that, you know, this is a seed you go and plant. So a lot of challenges the farmer face on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And then after that, it's getting the crop into the market. So what are you doing to help sustain the economic viability of farmers? So we collaborate with a lot of governments to make sure that investment policy is conducive so that all the stakeholders within the value chain can invest and support the agriculture community. Number one, look at even Malaysia or even Vietnam, 40% of the people are involved in agriculture. Can you imagine? Wow. You lose an agriculture pillar. And then what does it mean for Singapore? We import 90% of food. Mm. Just imagine Indonesia says, I'm not selling you fish. I'm not selling you the vegetable from Malaysia or Cameron Highland. That means a lot of impact to the normal community. We're not talking about Iberico pork or a vegetable from Japan, but we're looking at affordable, sustainable food for our Singaporean population. So in order for us to be able to have a affordable food, our neighbours need to have the technology to produce and have access to export. I'm glad you mentioned that because we know here in Singapore, as you mentioned, we import the majority of our food. What are some of the difficulties being faced by our regional farmers supplying food to Singapore? One is also the supply chain to get in. Singapore is much more easy because every day you get food from Malaysia coming at night uh, through Camera Highland or some of the fish that comes from um, Indonesia. But beyond that, we really need to have a good supply chain, what is cold chain, to make sure that we could get the food into Singapore on a timely manner, that every housewife at 10 a.m. goes to the supermarket, have fresh food on the table. Do you see farmers who are supplying to Asia facing difficulties because of climate change? Oh, definitely. That's part and parcel of why the need of speed to introduce technology is going to be core. As you see over the last couple of years is, you know, typhoon in Myanmar, flooding here and there. So the whole context is to encourage government to ensure that the infrastructure is, we have investment into infrastructure from water sustainability environmental sustainability and technology into the hands of farmers so they can cope to be able to plant and harvest for us to provide the regional food security. Xianghe, you have a double barrel problem that you are trying to solve and that is, and it sounds odd almost, but there is high incidence of a lack of food in Asia and at the same time you're also seeing among children a rising rate of obesity. Yes, that is correct. So if you go just beyond the major cities like Shanghai or Bangkok, the average income of people is like for farmers or the low income people are two to three dollars US dollar per day. So what they can afford for food is going to be very low quality food. On one hand, you go to the metropolitan of the world, parents are well-to-do, children are given a lot of other food, essential, nutritious food, so to speak. So then you get a growing population of children, especially in China and Asia, the obesity of young children is getting higher. Not, you know, in Malaysia, the obesity used to be say, used to be related to sugar, etc. But today you have younger children below 12 going to obesity, while the rest of Asia, with 400 over a million people, 
goes to bed hungry every night. So Indonesia, for example, 300 million people, population, can you imagine everyone running on the street is undernourished wow. or goes to bed hungry? My goodness. So here we have the direct results of inequality. You're trying to highlight this dilemma, though, of double burdens of undernourishment and obesity, and you're discussing shared solutions as well. Can you share some of these solutions? So the major solution for us is to enable farmers to improve their livelihood by getting them into better productivity so that they could feed the children with good nutritious food. The second piece that we work on is women in agriculture. Not surprisingly, 50% of Asia's farmers are women. Yep. So the other piece that challenging is that to make sure that farmers, ladies, continue to be able to farm on the land if they have a marital problem. One of the current legislature, women do not own the land. So post divorce or post-separation, they are not able to farm. And then that will put a dramatic impact on children because ladies feed their children. If the children don't get nutrition sufficiently, the productivity of a daughter and future generation will be impacted. So you have a tandem domino effect. So if you don't protect the rights of women to continue the ability to farm and provide safe and nutritious food for the children. So that's one component that we need to help the woman in a major society of 50% population. Just incredible. You feed a woman, you feed a village. Correct. Right. Um, I understand that you are working on the ASEAN Safe Nutritious Food Alliance, and this is a partnership between CropLife Asia, the US ASEAN Business Council, and the EU ASEAN Business Council. Tell us what sort of partnerships you're building and your mission here. So for us is to get up to the policy level, as I mentioned to you, in order for government to be sensitized that crucial investment in agriculture is needed and is very timely because we need agriculture to feed a growing population, affordable, sustainable food and quantity. That's one. Number two is a lot of information of safe food that needs to go out in a positive manner because the farmers are getting high level of compliance, providing safe food for the population. So we work closely with various stakeholders to make sure that farmers abide to the regulation so that we can continue to have good, effective supply to the community. Number one. Number two is government. Agriculture does not seem to be a top priority for many countries, despite agriculture is core because there are other more higher challenges in other countries. So we need to continue to ask government to continue to focus and invest because agriculture is not a factory. I cannot push the start button six months, the plant or the land is ready for production. Right. It needs a longer time of incubation to get that land ready. And then with irrigation channels being destroyed for development because of population growth that we are seeing across Asia. So we are losing more productive land. So if we don't get good policy on the ground, we will not be able to sustain the agriculture food demand between the region and also for the economic sustainability of a particular country. Again, like Vietnam, 40% people are working in agriculture. If you're losing land for productivity, where is your agriculture? Who is going to feed your in-country and becomes an economic pillar for your growth? Enormous challenges that CropLife Asia faces. I wonder how, um, how are governments and policymakers taking to the role of climate change and the urgency to act? And maybe you can share the, the role of, that technology is playing in helping co- provide some solutions to climate change's impact on agriculture. We invest $5.6 billion 
every year in agriculture technology globally and we are ready for technology to be deployed in Asia is that we need a lot of science-based regulatory environment to have a timely manner assessment of technology and be able to deploy the technology to the hands of farmers. I usually cite an example that, you know, you have an iPhone, you want it the next day, but for agriculture technology, it takes much more longer time and sometimes years for the technology to be introduced. So in the meantime, as we develop or what you call evaluate the technology, farmers are at the crossroads, I need technology now. So we need to empower the farmers for them adapt, mitigate with the climate change and also bringing their local technology to much more higher productivity. There are a lot of good learnings from the engineers, people and a lot of fundamental technology. But we can help them upskill in order for them to further adapt between the country and within the religious context. Well, absolutely wonderful hearing about your work in crop protection, biotechnology development, and what you're doing for farmers and producers in the region. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us here. Have a great weekend. Dr. Siang Hee Tan is Executive Director of Crop Life Asia, and they're working with the US ASEAN Business Council, EU ASEAN Business Council as well, to form the ASEAN Safe Nutritious Food Alliance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm 893 .sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.